Hey there, you're listening to the Doing It Sober podcast, a podcast about everyday people living their best lives after addiction and alcoholism. Listen to the stories, the tips, and what's keeping these people sober every day. I am your host, Daniela Park, also an addict in recovery with over 13 years sober. I have co-written a few books, and have my very own recovery store. To learn more about me, go to doingitsober.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, This is Daniela, and today we have a gentleman who is from Chicago, living in Chicago now. December 14th, 2000 is his sobriety date. His drug of choice is alcohol. He considers himself the recovery mentor, and he is an artist and a former addict. As a mentor, he helps unveil clarity in the lives of those he works with through portraiture and and awareness. That's okay. (laughs) This I knew that was going to happen. This is a method of refocusing experiences to release blocks, illnesses, and internal wounds. Having recovered from so many vices and then a more recent diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, Martin John is committed to empowering individuals to take the reins of their lives and enjoy the ride. Welcome, Martin John, the recovery mentor. Yes. Well, thank you. Daniela, we have have known each other for a short time since you were on my show, so I just want to say thank you for having me on yours. And it has been a wonderful journey just to get to know you and 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 see how you've been growing and, and, and doing your work. So thank you so much, John Martin John. <laughs> you can call me Martin, you can call me John, you can call me Martin John. I, I, I've, never, I'm I've always called you Martin, so when the John yeah, no, one, came on, that's yeah, Martin, yeah, that's a, no, that's you've, a been, thing. Uh, you've been a, a wonderful person to hook up with and we've been friends ever since. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. Um you know I was sad to hear, I'm just gonna jump right into this about the diagnosis. Did oh. you is this a you recent did not know. thing? No, I didn't. Um, no, uh, it, was, it was five years ago, uh, maybe six, maybe five and a half now. I don't know. I don't keep track of yeah. that. Um, so I got diagnosed with MS um, and I lost, I lost temperature sensation in the lower right quadrant of my leg and then I lost motor function in my left leg. Um, and apparently that our... Uh, our, our nerves are braided together and those two oh. braids are close together. And so I got a, I had a, I had a lesion in my spinal cord and a couple in my brain, which is why they call it multiple, right? Like there's, so there were a multiple mm-hmm. things that kind of affected and there's a scar and I still do not have temperature sensation, but I gained all of my motor function back. And at that point I, 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 I was working in production. I had a, I had a production company and I was doing, I was going through the pre-production of a documentary that I still want to make, uh, if you know, when it's, when it's, when it's the right time, um, called transfiguration, which was a documentary on trans people in ministry. And yeah, that's going to be awesome. Like when I make that, it's, it's over. Like that's that's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. Um, but either way, um, when I got out of that, I had to really rebuild my life. I was like, okay, I'm going to get out of production because there's a little too much stress in it and stress and MS didn't work. And, and, and I realized that I had a relationship with stress and it was an addictive one. It was one that I really kind of enjoyed 
certain kinds of stress that probably weren't healthy for me. Um, and I relate my, so when I was using, I was also a painter and I, and I would drink turpentine and gasoline and other sorts of solvents. Um, and I believe that is what caused my MS. When I got MS, when I was in the hospital, they told me, I was just like, mm, that could just be biting me in the ass now. Like, cause it's not my oh, family. Shit. It's not in anything else. And I was just kind of like, you know, it, it was actually a good thing. Cause I mean, I had, I, I, I got through the woods. I was, I was, I was, you know, 15 years sober or whatever it was at that point. And, and I say, all right, here I am. And my body's messed up. Mm-hmm. What could it be? There's no why me in my mind anymore because I've been through recovery, right? It's not why me, you know, we yeah. don't, we don't talk that way. Um, so I was just like, well, what, 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 what is this? And then I said, Oh, could have been that. Like that could have been something that, you know, is just rearing up. And so as soon as I got it, I was like, all right, well, take ownership of it, move forward. I had two major flare ups. One was that first one um, that I mentioned. And then I lost about 80% of my motor function on my left side, my whole left side. And um, I was more or less bedridden. I mean, I could lumber around, but I'd fall a lot. And then um, I nursed myself back, started taking meds, took meds for a year. uh, And then I stopped and I just use now today, I just use my diet to uh, deal with my MS. So, so yeah, again, that is what drove me to do recover yourself work and my one-on-one work and all of this. Cause I was like, I've learned all of this stuff and it's not, it's not all in the rooms and it's not all written down anywhere you know like we're hearing more and more now like there are books coming out and there are people that i'm interviewing that are right on point with everything that i'm talking about and that's really exciting it's an exciting time to be in recovery it is it truly is you are the i see you as the guy to go to for answers you're the spiritual oh, guy. You're the guy who takes a look at things and wants to work on his life and you want to grow. That's your goal is to yeah. grow and become, well, this is what you Me. talk about, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, but it wasn't always easy. You had trouble in your first five years. It was hard, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always look at, I break it up. I break up recovery into a couple different things. I've been talking about this a lot, this idea of like early recovery. Um, if you tell me I got four years, I'm going to say you're in early recovery because I look at five years and these are random numbers because of my experience. But my experience, especially now is I'm talking with other people in recovery. Um, and that first five years is shit. Like, for a lot of reasons. I was the most suicidal for that first five years. I was suicidal. I, I turned to self-harm. I turned to all sorts of addictions that, you know, like, um, that are acceptable from like smoking and, um, right. and relationship and, you know, codependency and whatever you, know, you, you name it. Right. Um, gambling was a big one that I was also doing. Um, mm. and that, 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 that eased my, that eased my passing. (laughs) That that eased me into a lot of things as well. Um, But every time one came up, I would have to drop it. I would have to see it and be like, nope, that's just, that's just pacifying me. It's just taking me out of where I want to be. And, 
and and it wasn't until like right around five years that I started to really appreciate myself. And I don't know what lifted. Um, I mean, it's culmination from the little things that I did over those five years, but really it, it something kind of shifted. And in the conversations I have with people that four to six years, there is, there is a shift in, in, in your idea of yourself and really understanding where like, where you're putting your uh, putting your attention, putting your energy, putting your value, um, and it starts to pop up. And once it does, we can see it. And if we're if we're staying clean, which not a lot of people do for five full years, you know, like if we're staying clean, we can get to that place of magical sort of like life. And and not to say that year six is great, but that's 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 when you start figuring out your shit, whatever, you know. And then, and I look at seven as being that kind of marker. And that's, that's what I look at for interviewing people. It's like, do you have seven years? Because if you have seven years, like now you can start having conversations, like deeper conversations. And I don't have to, I don't have to pussyfoot around. Like, cause people that I talk with, with less than seven, I often have to, I see an addiction that they're not ready to face. And I have to be like, all right, we're just going to skirt that issue just because it's like, you're, there's, there's nothing I'm going to, I'm not going to get anything out of you. You know, like you're, so tell me like, how do you, how do you, um, was first of all, spot it. You got it. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so with almost 20 years of sobriety, how do you, you know, how do you determine when there's an issue? You were talking about this earlier when when we were talking. Yeah. Um, well, I look at triggers now, when I say trigger, when we talk about triggers in, in addiction, especially in AA and the rooms and stuff, we talk about what makes you want to drink or want to use or whatever. Mm-hmm. Trigger now for me is a lot broader of a category. What makes you uncomfortable being in that experience? Now, when I talk about uncomfortable, it's it's weird because I even look at triggers as things that make me happy, you know, like things that make me exceedingly happy. It's like, wait, mm. <laughs> why, why did I not believe this was part of me before it happened, right? Like, like I need to be able to really embrace all things. Like, it's real easy to look at like, this made me upset. This made me feel off. This made me feel uncomfortable. But you know, crying and laughing are just energy releasing, right? It's just like, I need to cry and you feel better. You need to laugh and you feel better. I want to look at both of those as being a little bit of imbalance. Mm-hmm. Where it's like trying, and, and I'm not saying being like, oh my God, like I have a robot, you know, like I want to be happy and love everything around me and not, you know, like, again, I don't want to quantify these things. When I'm in this state, I understand what I mean. When you are in a state of early recovery and you say you want to love everything, your first question, your f- the first thing that pops into your mind is like, oh, this is bullshit, da, 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 da. right? And it's like, yeah. I'm in a different place. And like, I can talk to you about like where I was then and we can talk about like what you're going through. But for me, I just had a conversation with someone that brought something up. And it brought up this, this sense of you don't believe in me. So I'm the victim, right? You don't believe in me. 
And immediately, as soon as I started to feel that victim state, like, I mean, I was in it for 10 or 15 minutes, but then I, and then I was like, wait a minute. I don't know that that's what they're feeling, but that's what I'm feeling. Now I get to look at it. I'm feeling untrustworthy or I'm feeling like someone doesn't trust me and I'm offended by that or I'm hurt by that. And so I need to look at myself and say, where in my life do I not believe in myself? And that's the work that I need to do now because that trigger came up. And when I feel that, (laughs) well, well, yes. So um, what I came up with was that like, I don't, so this person that I was talking with has to, has to do with um, some work that I'm doing right now. And so, and that work is associated in my mind with the financial gains because mm-hmm. doing a podcast and working one-on-one, that's a lot of hustle and that's a, like not, a, not often a lot of financial gains from that. So um, this has financial gains. And so like my idea of, oh, what can you accomplish on your own and it comes to a financial state, right? And, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe that I could, I could be in that state. And it's like, okay, own this and then deal with you and your belief of not being able to do that. And mm-hmm. that will take me to this other place of, like, then I can love this guy, do what he wants. It's no problem. Like, once I'm, I'm like, I'm already feeling better about all of it, right? Just by talking about it a little bit. It's truly bit. amazing. Yeah. That and, works. It's, and it's just like, mm, just bring it up and, and, and go through it and sit with myself with it. Like, like I go through a process of like looking at a trigger. What is the story behind the trigger? Like my trigger was he asked me to do something. My story is he doesn't believe me. The theme is this idea of like believing in yourself. So now... I look at where don't I believe in myself? Where don't I believe that I could be um, who I am? And, you know, even, even when it comes to like social media and other stuff, like I get offended, you know, like, or, or I get, I get hurt sometimes. It's like, these are very slight things. I'm not like crying I in the bathroom. It. I get but, it. But, but like when I, when my followers don't grow or when I don't get like, you know, like, and I'm like, okay, that's a trigger. Now, we have to look at the addiction of the phone, but I also have to look at like this trigger, this individual trigger, because I have to be able to give myself that, that follow. And I have to be able to know that I'm valuable enough and worth it enough. And if I don't believe in myself, like I believe this person, right? Like my, my story about this person reaching out to me, it's like, Oh, now I can look at that. Right. I can look at this whole picture of like, believe in yourself completely. Cause there is again, our trauma exists in the body, not necessarily in the mind. We try to fix everything in the mind, but it's the body that's running those like those cyclical shows for us, right? Like every relationship we get in is the same, not because we're thinking the same, because we've convinced ourselves of every relationship is going to be better, and it's always the same, mm-hmm. because the actions we're taking exist within the body, and and so when I can when I can bridge the two, bridge that subconscious body thought versus the conscious, the little tiny conscious thought that we have and really start to heal that trauma. And, and again, I, I'm not talking big T trauma. Um, I've dealt with a lot of that, but this is like the little T trauma that, that, you know, like you just, you got hurt, you believe something now it's, now it's running your life. Yeah. I'm, and 
When you're new in sobriety, you don't have any idea what that trauma is sometimes. I didn't oh, know. Oh, God, no. And then when I looked at it, like, around six, I really didn't have a clue. I actually went to a therapist for a year because I couldn't figure out why I was still continuing to have these relationships that were horrible with men. And right. so I just stopped dating finally and went to see a therapist. And there's so much trauma there in past relationships that I, I would have never really thought about, you know, just being in harm's way and all these things when I was younger and a child and how it has affected me. And right. it took a lot of work to get through that. But it's a miracle to be able to see those things today. And to not date, you're just going to sober up, right? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. it. That's all you're doing. Like, like this is, this is, this is why, you know, like I take breaks from coffee. I take breaks from relationship. I take breaks from everything that I feel like, oh, this might, you know, like taking a break from my phone, but I have to be able to take some significant time away from my phone. I haven't been able to do that yet, but that's something that I'm going to have to like, look at even like a week. Like, can I put it down for a week? Like, like, can I like, part of me says oh no no you know like but now is this like, social media that you're talking about well probably but yeah. even even still texting or messaging people is kind of like real similar to that you know mm -hmm. like because you can i was i just did an interview with um with this woman Marin from hall uh in in england and she was talking like my phone as a whole because like i can just text somebody and my whole night will be gone because I was just chatting about nothing, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's like, hmm, that's a good point. Like, like, I mean, I looked at my phone today and I was in contact with people that I'm working with and stuff, but I was on my phone today and it's only four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, granted, I wake up at four in the morning, but 12 hours, I've been on my phone for four of those. Yeah. That's a third of my day. I was on my phone, like interacting with people, but even still, like, I mean, I have, I have for Instagram, I put an hour timer on my phone. So it's like, I can't be on Instagram more than an hour a day. And that's still a lot. That's, that's a, a lot, lot yeah. of time. Yeah. You know, you know it's funny because I feel guilty sometimes because I'm not going to the people who like my page and I'm not going back to like their stuff and it can really be exhausting in your mind of what you know what you need to do to to what they say is to build your your brand right. it's exhausting you know I wish we yeah. could have somebody to do that for us but that's not how it works you got to be yourself and you got to right. um like I don't spend much time on social media I don't like it I'll post, but then that's it. I won't go right. and look. And it's kind of it's kind of rude, actually. People get offended. Well, they like all your stuff, but you don't give a shit about their stuff. You know? <laughs> I, not, I don't. I, well, well, it's if, crazy. If that's the case, if that's the case with you and I, I've never, I've never thought about it. So let's. So so let me. I'll, I'll just start by saying that's your shit, right? That, like, that's my that shit. Guilt. That guilt of not being able to, to, to reciprocate or that guilt of not being able to uh, show up in, in relationship. Let's talk about that. Like, because it doesn't matter if it's your neighbor or someone on social media, it's a relationship, right? Like, mm -hmm. and so, so that, you know, when we look at that trigger, right? When we look at that trigger of your like, oh, I feel guilty. Like all of a sudden we have something to work with, right? Like now we can 
glom onto something within us and say, it's okay that I do that because I'm not being drawn to do it. When we're okay to be what we are being drawn to and do what we are being drawn to do, that's when we're living in, 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 in real space. But when we're like, oh, I'm going to do this and you're going to do this, this like codependency and these I like what you said. I just well, like what, what you said yeah. just now. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, now, the, no, just kidding. The, <laughs> the creativity thing, because I'm a huge, like right now I have all my paints in my living room. I've got a Wonderful. portrait portrait up. I'm painting. Um, I do like folk art. So I'll put, like right now I'm painting a pig and it's give thanks, not fucks, <laughs> is the name of my painting. Yeah. Um, I probably have to bleep that out. Uh, oh. But, uh, you know, tell me how how you use creativity, creativity to help people break through these traumas and illnesses. Yeah. Well, creativity is, um, is God. I don't know how else to like really express that. It's, um, creativity and where it comes from and how it comes out and what it does. Like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of art schools and there's a lot of people going to art school and they're all like learning how to be creative, whatever that means. But we're all, you know, I mean, Picasso said it, we're all artists and then, and the, the, the main point of life is to remain one. Um, and I, and I agree with that to, to some very deep extent. Um, I utilize portraiture and I've been doing portraits since 2000. If you do the math, I got sober at the end of 2000. So it was in 2000 that I started this portrait project and it really drove me. It made me see myself in a way that I had never seen myself. What I would do is I'd go to people's homes. Many of them were strangers and I would just paint this oil pastel portrait of them. And it was just me giving. It was all about me going to your home. It was about me doing the work. It was about me cleaning it up and like leaving it behind with you. Like I wanted art to be in homes because I went to so many people's places and it was like, there's no art there. Like my whole, you know, like, what, what, what the hell is this? I'm, yeah. I'm doing, you know, like I want to be an artist and nobody owns art. So I want to bring art into people's homes, but not only the painting, I want to bring the experience. Now these portraits were not done to flatter anybody. Um, and people didn't necessarily like them, but they loved that it was a byproduct of our experience together. And in doing that project, I really learned how to connect with people in a deep way, right? Like I'm doing like one-on-one -on -one work with someone. So my interview process is fucking awesome. Sorry. I'm just trying not to swear. <laughs> my interview awesome is my, my interview process is awesome. My, my ability to connect. I'm a Reiki master. I use prana and a number of other healing modalities and, and all of these, I, like this subtle energy I can connect with. I've even done portraits of people that I've never seen. I'll get on the phone with them and I'll do their portrait. And I've gotten likenesses as well as idiosyncrasies and crazy sorts of things where it's just like, oh my God, you got the fact that like I broke my nose or I got, That's you know, like it looks just like me or, you know, one person, like the first person I did, she was just like, yes, that's me. If I gained 20 pounds, it was like, what? Like, cray. Um, <laughs> so, so um, today I've, after my, uh, about with MS and stuff, I wanted to get back to doing portraits pretty, pretty seriously. And, and I was like, how am I going to do it? Um, what is this? 
and what, what is it going to look like today? And what I did was I created it. I kind of reimagined it as a healing modality. And so when you make a painting and you may know this from even making your art, um, like folk art and stuff, when you make something, it asks you to look at it when you're done. Like you just stare at it. You just stare at a piece. Like for hours sometimes, you know, you can do that for like, you know, days. It's just asking you to look at it. And what I believe is happening in that, in that time is you're communicating with it. Because I believe everything, we're connected to everything and everything has, you know, everything's made of cells which are alive. And so like that piece of paper, which once was, or that canvas, which once was one of millions, is now one in a million, right? It is one individual thing. Mm-hmm. and it doesn't know what the hell it is. And when it's asking you to look at it, it's asking you, what am I? And the thing is, is we're doing the same thing. We're out in the world going, who am I? What, what, what am I, you know? And that's why children stare at you in the eye, right? Because they just look at you and they are communicating with you in ways that we have no idea. They are gathering information. And that's what a painting does. And now this is a painting of you. And so you're looking at it and all of your judgments are about you, not about the painting. I can draw a line and say, that's a picture of you. And however you respond to that is going to be about you. And so what I do is I do these paintings. I send them out. When they get them, we set up our second interview and, or our second conversation. And, and they tell me what they experienced in the painting. They were like, oh, I didn't like it because of this, 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 and this. And then the next day, I saw these things. And then on the third day, I saw these new things and I thought about it this way. And then it just became a painting. And that's what happens. You know, like eventually when you make a painting, it's like raw and awesome and like drawing your attention. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, now it's just another one. That's when wonderful. My, yeah. When my clients experience that, they go through this emotional thing and they take notes. I ask them to take notes about like, what are you experiencing? And then we talk about that. And then we start to link that up with how they feel about themselves and really start to track that back to trauma that's existing in the body. Once we bring that up, their brain can start to process it and notice when it's starting. Because knowledge and awareness are two totally different things. You can have knowledge that something happens and never be aware that it's happening. You can only look back and say, wow, that was the same. And then you get into another one and you're like, this isn't the same. And then you get back and you go, oh my God, that was the same. Because you're not aware. You're only knowledgeable. This is why school is great, but I ain't going to teach anything. Like, it's not going to get you through everything. Because really, it's just telling you what's right and what's wrong. And you are you one have deep to know dude. That. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. It's very interesting stuff. And yeah. Well, thank you. I know you have your own podcast because I've been on it. Where can people find you if they want to hear more about this stuff? Uh, and- recoveryourself.life is, it'll take you to my website, um, which my website is also, they're, they're both the same, martinjohn.com, but recoveryourself.life is going to be the, the direction I go, um, I believe. And you can just search for Recover Yourself Podcast anywhere. And, and if you guys can do everywhere. me a favor and go over to uh, 
Martin's Instagram and give him oh. a like. Yes, like something. <laughs> <laughs> you will make me a happy man. Yeah, that's Martin John, M-A-R-T-I-N-J-O-N. Um, I'm really everywhere. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I, I've, I've, I, I think even TikTok. So. <laughs> I'm trying to. You're a lovely human being. And so um, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. I, I try to really listen in when you're talking because you always give these good nuggets of knowledge and deeper, deeper thoughts that, you know, most people that I speak with don't really throw at me. So I'm just like, wow. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank yeah. you for sharing that with us. And uh, we'll have yeah. to come back in six months and do another interview and see what's see, going on we'll in see, that maybe, head of yours. Yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll have dealt with this like, with this, with this, uh, I don't know what I'm dealing with right now. What did I talk about? My, my belief in myself. <laughs> you're going to be a believer. I'm going to be a believer. Yeah, you're going to be one. <laughs> I think you already are. You know that. Yeah, I do. But, you know, there's, there's still things hanging out. Like, we just want to keep healing because it's not over. There's no That's destination. Right. It's just a journey. That's right. It's not about the rainbow. I mean, it's not about the pot of gold. It's about the rainbow. The That's journey. right. That's right. Well, thanks for joining us, and Thank you. we will talk soon.